Hi there, welcome to Glenlyden Baptist Church's podcast network. We're glad you can join us today. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us on our website, www.gebc.org.nz. We hope you enjoy the pod. All right, well, kia ora e ko Glen toko ingoa. It's uh, so good to be with you um, again this morning. It's been a while, I think, since I preached here. Um, but uh, yeah, it used to be very familiar to me a few years ago when I was pastoring here. But it, it is great to be here. Um, I've just celebrated uh, two years working at Kerry Baptist College. Uh, time flies. Yeah. So um, if you don't know, I oversee um, the Lifelong Learning Center at Kerry. So we produce resources for churches and pastors um, for their professional development and, uh, you know, webinars and podcasts, etc. And I get the privilege of, um, at times, being able to travel around the country, and I've just been to, spent two days in the Lower North Island in Palmerston North uh, with a whole bunch of pastors down there and elders and, and leaders. And I tell you what, I am so encouraged. Um, they had testimony time where people could get up, give testimonies of what God is doing in their churches in the Lower North Island, and God is at work. Um, so many wonderful testimonies of how people are starting to come back into the churches. Um, there's outreach into the communities. They're seeing people come to faith and seeing people baptized. And I've got to tell you, church, that God is working in the Baptist movement in New Zealand. You guys probably don't see it being in here, but when you go out there and hear and see what God is doing, there are green shoots coming up. It truly feels like we are in a new season. God is doing the new thing. Um, in our churches, in this nation. So be encouraged this morning. Now, I recently, um, as part of my own lifelong learning, completed a Tereo course. And uh, as part of that course, um, I had to prepare a pepiha. And if you don't know what that is, it's basically uh, looking at your, your ancestors, where you've come from, your whakapapa, um, looking at your connections to the land and, and that around you. And one of the things I wanted to mention in my pepiha is my grandmother, Vera Hayhow. Um, she was such a godly woman, such an example of someone who had put her faith in Christ and faithfully followed him and loved him um, throughout her life. And uh, she died in the 1990s at the age of 85 um, in, her own, in her own home, just passed away peacefully at night in her sleep. I mean, that's the way I want to go. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> But, you know, I, I come from a long line on my mother's side of people who have put their faith in Christ. It goes back generations. And uh, my mother actually started attending this church in the late 1960s. And I was literally born into this church in 1971. And I've pretty much been here ever since. I think I'm literally part of the, the furniture of this place. <laughs> but, you know, as, as much as I value that Christian heritage... Um, there came a point when I needed to make a decision for myself to follow Christ. Um, I couldn't rest on the heritage that I had. And when I was eight years old, my parents sent me to a children's Bible crusade camp. Ever, anyone remember those way back when? Yeah. Children's Bible crusade camp. And the key is in the name, Bible. So, you know, we, we, we had... Um, we learnt scriptures, and we studied the Bible, and I think there was occasionally a little bit of fun doing some sports and things like that. But, you know, we used to get little rewards for uh, memorizing scripture and, and saying it. And there was one really smart kid who went up, and uh, his verse was, Jesus wept. 
And <laughs> it qualified, right? It's, a, it's the shortest verse in Scripture, I think. And, and he got his reward. <laughs> but anyway, one night, um, you know, every night they would, they would have a gospel message. And one night, you know, my, my heart started pounding. And, and I just felt compelled that I needed to go forward at that meeting and surrender my life to Christ. And that was really, uh, you know, that milestone for me, that significant point in time where I chose to, to follow Jesus. However, as good as that was, I still felt this kind of deep sense of, of guilt. Somehow I wasn't fully acceptable to God. Somehow I still needed to do something to earn God's acceptance and approval. And along my discipleship journey, I've, I've had many doubts. Um, you know, does God truly accept me? Does God truly love me? And I don't know about you, but um, I've struggled with sin in my life and, and living up to the standard that God requires. And again and again, um, I felt I failed to live the life I know God wants me to live. And sometimes I beat myself up. Surely God is giving up on me this time. Surely his grace has a limit, right? A sinner like me. And I found that the devil also loves to discourage me, to tell me that, oh, you're hopeless, Glenn. You're a hopeless sinner. God's not going to forgive you this time. And you know, the only way to counter those kind of lies is with the truth of God's word. And last week, Gary preached from Romans 3, um, 21 to 31, that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. It's not by works. It's not by anything that we've done. If we trust that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is sufficient to save us and put us right with God, that is, that is all we need. God is the, he's the divine judge, and he declares us to be righteous in his sight. We are right before him when we believe in Christ and we accept him as our Lord and Savior. He declares us not guilty. And this morning, we're going to look at Romans chapter 4, where Paul further expands on this. And he gives the example of Abraham, which we're going to look into this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, um, you can turn to Romans 4, or you can follow along on the screen. We're just going to work our way through this passage um, bit by bit this morning. From verse 1. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation, However, to the one who does not work, but put, trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. Now, I don't know about you, but the first question I had when coming to this passage is, why Abraham? Why is Paul putting up Abraham as the example of faith? The answer is partly there in verse 1, when, when Abraham is called the forefather the forefather, our forefather. Abraham was the forefather of the Jewish people. You know, the nation of Israel can trace its whakapapa back to Abraham, and he was held in high esteem um, by the Jewish people. 
You know, Yahweh is, is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in Genesis 12, we hear how God makes a covenant with Abraham, who is then known as Abram. Covenants are basically, they are binding agreements between two parties. It defines their relationships. It's this commitment to one another. And I believe it's the, it's the strongest commitment anyone can make in a covenant. And covenants are accompanied by, by promises or oaths of things that, that they will do to keep this covenant. And God promises Abraham that he will make him into a great nation and bless him. And he will be a blessing. Through him, all nations on earth will be blessed. But, you know, Abraham is also relevant for the Gentiles. That is, everyone who's not Jewish. Because Abraham was actually a Gentile when God called him and made the covenant. At that time, there were no Jewish people. The, the Jewish nation came later. So Abraham was a Gentile, and God chose to make the covenant with him. And in a spiritual sense, Abraham is actually the father of the Gentiles, of all who believe, that is, all who believe and put their faith in Christ, which we'll come to later. So back to the story. Abraham obeyed God and went to the land. But, you know, as time passes, he, he kind of remains childless. And then in Genesis 15, he has this vision where God affirms to him again that he will have offspring, that he, he will take, take some outside. And he, he gets him to say, you know, count the stars in the sky. And he says, so shall your offspring be. In other words, there will be too many to count. And this is even more remarkable, knowing that at this stage he was actually a very old man, maybe somewhere close to, to 100 years old. And of course his wife Sarah was well past childbearing age. But despite those circumstances, in, in 15, Genesis 15, 6, God says to Abraham, it says, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness, which is the very verse that Paul quotes in Romans 4. Let's just unpack this verse, this key verse, for a minute. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him, to him as righteousness. What does it mean to believe? You know, this is something that we kind of think we, we all know, but what does it really mean to believe? Is it simply just a belief in God's existence? Do you think? Do we just believe that God, God is real? No. It's not just belief in God's existence. Plenty of people believe that some kind of God exists, but they do not follow. Um, they do not follow Christ. It was a belief in this instance in God's promise that he would, Abraham would have a child, that he would be made into a great nation. It was believing that God would do what he said he could do. And later in, Abraham, uh, later in Romans 4.21, Paul says that Abraham was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Despite the circumstances, despite what was humanly uh, impossible, despite Abraham's age and Sarah being passed beyond childbearing age, God would enable a way for a child to be born and would make him into a great nation. And because Abraham believed God, Believed the promise, God credited 
That faith to him is righteousness. Now, we, we actually know from elsewhere in Scripture that Abraham came from a pagan nation and he, he worshipped other gods. He was an ungodly man. But when he believed that, that God would, would keep his promise, God in his goodness and in his generosity and his grace, he said, I'm not going to hold your background against you. I'm not going to hold the fact that, that you've followed other gods against you. In my sight, things are now right between us. Things are good between us. Another way to say this is that Abraham gets this status before God that he hasn't earned by anything that he has done. It is purely by God's grace. He doesn't deserve it, but God says, because of your faith, you, because you put your faith in me and my promises, I'll make you right with me. And as we'll see as we go through this chapter, this righteousness is not based on anything else but God's grace. It's not based on works. It's not based on circumcision. It's not based on keeping the law or anything else. So let's quickly have a look at these this morning. First of all, it's not based on works. In verse 2, Paul says that if in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. So it's true, right? If Abraham did the good works that God required, he could boast. He could say, hey, look at me. I've, I've done all these good things. I deserve to be um, made right with God. But Paul says that Abraham couldn't boast before God. And actually, if you go back and you read Abraham's story, you'll see that, yes, even though he is obedient and he goes to the land that God caused him to go to, along the way, he actually lies about Sarah being his wife because he's fearful. You know, he has that encounter with Pharaoh in, in Egypt. And, uh, yeah, he thinks that something bad is going to happen, so he lies and causes all sorts of strife and trouble because of that. We also know that he failed to obey God perfectly as he actually has a child by um, his maidservant, Hagar, because he grows impatient, waiting for God to fulfill the promise. And he begins to think that he has to take things into his own hands and that this is the way it's going to happen. So no, Abraham was not perfect. His works didn't save him. And Paul makes it clear in verse 4 that when someone works, they expect to get paid. I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, when I work, I'm expecting to get paid. I want to earn a living. I'm not doing this purely out of, uh, out, of, out of pure charity. I expect that, you know, I do an honest day work and get an honest day's wages. But Paul says here, for anyone who does not work, but trust God who justifies the ungodly. Their faith is credited as righteousness. It's not based on our works. God is under no obligation to make us right with him. It is purely a gift of his grace. We cannot do anything to earn God's righteousness. Doing the right things, your, your good deeds. Maybe you give money to those in need. Maybe you are serving here in the church. Maybe you're someone who's generous and help people. These things are all important, but they cannot make things right between us and God. None of these things can cover our sin. You're only made 
right by the grace of God, a free gift, a gift that you receive by faith. Amen. And Paul backs this up with this example from David in Psalm 32. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Hear that this morning. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. You know, God doesn't count our sins against us when we are made right with him. Isn't that just the most incredible truth? God just, you know that whole saying, wipes the slate clean. He doesn't even remember our sin. He doesn't count, us, count it against us. And I'm so grateful for that. It is not by our works. And it's also, thankfully, not by circumcision. Paul goes on to make it clear that being circumcised does not make a person righteous. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We've been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then he is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised in order that righteousness might be credited to them. He then is also the father of the circumcised who not only are circumcised but also follow in the footsteps of the faith that our father had, Abraham had before he was circumcised. Now Paul is speaking both to, to Jews and Gentiles here. You know, the Jews believe that being circumcised made a person right with God. But Paul says, no, Abraham was not circumcised when God made that promise to him that he would receive land and make him into a great nation. You know, circumcision only came in about 13 years after uh, what we read in Genesis uh, chapter 15. These promises were, were given um, when God commanded um, Abraham to circumcise himself and the son he had by his servant Hagar. That's when circumcision came in. And it was just this external sign of Abraham's faith. The faith that was credited to him as righteousness before he was circumcised. Therefore the Gentiles, that is everyone who's not Jewish, can be included into God's people without being circumcised. And again, I, particularly as a male, am so thankful that we do not have to be circumcised in order to be made right with God. And you know, the biggest picture is that the good news of the gospel is that there are no barriers to righteousness based on our ethnicity, based on our background, based on our economic status, or anything. We don't have to do any external things. We don't have to wear the right clothes. We don't have to have the right haircut and say the right things and do the right things. It is purely a gift of his grace by faith. Righteousness is not received by works or circumcision. And it's also not received by obeying the law. Verse 13, it was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise 
that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For those who depend on the law are heirs. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing and the promise is worthless because the law brings wrath. But where there is no law, there is no transgression. See, it's not through the law that Abraham received the promise. Abraham was not made right with God through upholding the law. You know, the Ten Commandments, which Jesus summarizes as loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. These laws were written about 400 years after God gave Abraham the promise. For Paul, the purpose of the law is to, it reveals our, our sin, it reveals God's standard and our failure to meet that standard. And keeping the law can never make us right with God. In fact, the law only results in God's wrath because people can never obey the law to that required standard. I don't know about you, but again, it's that keeping of, of breaking the law of, of sinning. We can't depend on our own efforts to keep the law as much as we, as we try to keep it. Righteousness is not received by works. It's not received by circumcision. It's not received by keeping the law. The only basis to be made right with God is to receive it by faith. It's a free gift. And Paul affirms that again in the following verses, which we don't have time to go through this morning. But I do just want to pick up at verse 23, Paul says, The words it was credited to him were not written for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Church, the good news this morning is that the words it was credited to him were not just written for Abraham, but written for us here today. In the same way God credited righteousness to Abraham, God will credit righteousness to us. But in our case, this happens when we believe in Jesus, when we believe that he was delivered over to death for our sins, when he took our sins upon himself, when he paid the price for our sins, and when he was raised to life again. When we believe in the, in the power of what Christ has done to save us, we're made right with God. You know, Abraham's faith was in God was simply a signpost in God's plan of redeeming humanity. This plan which culminated in death, Jesus' death, who prayed the price for our sins and who conquered death in his resurrection. You know, it's really important, I think, to make clear that faith in and of itself doesn't save us. Faith is simply the means that we accept the gift offered to us, that gift of being relationship with God through our union with Christ. Jesus is the only one who's lived a perfect life, that life of perfect obedience. It's only when we're united with Christ that we receive his righteousness or his right standing with God. Martin Luther called it this glorious exchange. We exchange our sin, which is credited to Jesus, and we get righteousness in return. Isn't that incredible? 
we give our sin and we get righteousness, that, that's, that's completely messed up, isn't it? That's upside down thinking. That's, that's crazy. But it's true and it's wonderful and it's glorious. You know, think of faith like this lamp. On its own, the cord to this lamp can't make the lamp give light. The power to light the lamp doesn't come from the cord. It comes from the electricity that the cord is plugged into. When we put our faith in Jesus, it's like plugging the power cord in. Jesus comes and lives in us through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit and starts this process of transformation in us, this outworking of our faith that we've put in Christ. So what does this mean for us? Well, first of all, it's good news, isn't it? It is good news that, I don't know about you, that just causes me to want to say thank you, God, to worship, to, to surrender my life to God in, in more, more and more ways. But I do wonder this morning if, if some of us maybe still have trouble accepting this idea of receiving um, this gift that we, we didn't deserve being credited this righteousness which we didn't earn. As I mentioned at the start, um, it took me years to accept that I made right with God by His unmerited and undeserved grace. And to be honest, sometimes I still struggle to accept this. It goes against everything that society is telling me about hard work and achievement. You know, you get rewarded as a child uh, when, when, when you're good <laughs> and, and punished when you're bad. We're judged and rewarded on our performance in school and work and, you know, people often only accept us for what we look like or what we do or what we say. And in the same way, we think we need to earn God's approval. We think we'll only be acceptable to God if we clean ourselves up first before we come to Him. We think we cannot come as we are. But the opposite is true. God invites us to come just as we are. To admit that because of sin, you know, we are not clean. Our clothes are like rags. We're covered in muck. We smell a bit. But Jesus is there to come and says, I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to cleanse you of all your sin and make you right with me. Where are you at this morning? I wonder if there's anyone here who, where you've never put your faith in Jesus to save you. If you know that, that you are not right with God this morning, I'm just going to call the worship team up and I'm going to finish with a song. I know we're a bit over time this morning, but just bear with me in this moment because I think it's really important. If you're not right with God this morning, then I'd love to speak with you. I'd love to invite you to come forward as we sing this song and talk to you about that and pray with you so you can commit your life to Christ and ask him to come and forgive you of your sin and cleanse you and make you right with God. And for everyone else, I wonder, have you fully accepted that it's faith in Christ alone that makes you right with God? Maybe you've been a Christian for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, but in some way you are still trying to put things right with God through your own actions. 
you know, still trying to earn God's approval through good works. I believe that some need to be set free from that this morning. Set free from that. Set free from that burden. Set free from that, that lie. You are made right with God by faith in Christ alone. Can you say this with me this morning? We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone. Say it again. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And this is the truth of the gospel this morning. Receive it, this free gift of grace. Let's sing. Thanks again for joining with us today. If you'd like to know more information on the church or reach out to one of the pastors, please visit our website www.gebc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day.